Hey y'all, it's your girl KDT with a quick announcement before we start today's episode. Ladies, if you haven't done so already, I encourage you to go over to our Facebook group and join our journaling journey. It's a group of women of color encouraging each other to tell our stories, to write it down, make it plain. It's a judgment-free zone where you can write down whatever you're feeling. And for today's episode, we will be talking about HBCUs. I call it to HBCU or to not HBCU. That is the question. Two members of my tribe will join me for this conversation. One is an HBCU grad like myself. The other attended a PWI. We'll talk about the different experiences and some of those misconceptions that are out there about HBCUs. It's a powerful discussion and one that I think you will enjoy. So let's get to it. Hello, hello, fam, and welcome to In My Shoes, a podcast for women of color about the issues we face each and every single day. I am your host, Karen Davis-Thompson, and looking forward to another episode with a few members of my tribe. Today, we will have Tony Boyd with us and Miss T. Burks. I'm just going to go with T. Burks because I always get in trouble about the way to pronounce her name, y'all. So we just want them to say hello. You've met them before, but hello, ladies. Let's start with you, Tam. How are you? I'm doing well. And Tony, how are you today? I am doing well. How are you today? I'm doing just fine. Thank you so very much. And so today we're going to be talking about a topic I like to call to HBCU or not to HBCU. That is the question. And so we have actually two HBCU grads because I am a proud graduate of Florida A&M University as well as Tony Boyd. And so Tam, tell us, where did you go to college? I went to the University of Pittsburgh. University of Pittsburgh. So let's start with you, Tam. Did you ever consider an HBCU and how did you decide to go to the University of Pittsburgh? I actually did consider a HBCU. My mother went to an HBCU. I went and visited the um, Tuskegee University um, campus as well as I thought about Howard University as I did spend some time growing up in the D.C. um, Maryland area. And when discussing my college choices with my parents, the time we were living in Pennsylvania, um, they felt that, um, I guess, the upbringing that they brought, they provided to me, um, that the campuses would not be to my standards as far as living, um, and really kind of pushed me to look at in-state schools. Um, Growing up in central Pennsylvania, I grew up in the country or out in the country, and I really wanted to go to a city school. So Since my options were limited, my parents were kind of knocking down some of my choices, I decided to attend the University of Pittsburgh sight unseen because I wanted to go to a city school. So what did they think that the HBCU, I know a lot of HBCUs, uh, Florida and them included, I think they've uh, changed some of that now, but they, you know, back when I was there, they still had the dorms that were not co-ed, you know, you had roommates. Was that the type of thing they were worried about? Or especially since your mom attended an HBCU? I think it was more so around the the thought kept continue to come up around um, air conditioning. Um, My parents also, um, you know, worked and lived around Howard University. And at the time, I guess the campuses hadn't, the dorms hadn't been upgraded. So I think it's more so the dormitory life and not so much about the education. I don't think they were so concerned. It didn't come up around being co-ed. Just so happened my freshman year at the University of Pittsburgh, I lived on a co-ed floor in a co-ed dorm. I think it was just more so they felt that I was maybe a little bit too soft um, and, you know, required a little bit more comforts of the comforts of home than what they perceived um, the campuses at the time would be able to offer from an HBCU standpoint. And Tony, how about you? Did you ever consider anything other than an HBCU? 
Um, no, not really. Um, as you said, you attended Florida A&M and our father attended Florida A&M because I'm her sister, by the way. Um, and, you know, Duh. well, whatever. <laughs> and, and it was kind of, I think they would have supported anywhere I wanted to go. However, it was strongly suggested that I attend Florida A&M. Um, I think if it hadn't been Florida A&M, I would have probably attended another uh, predominantly Black college or historically Black college. Um, but if I were going to go to one, Florida A&M was the one that um, was, was the most suggested that I attend. I can agree with that. I think they would have accepted whatever choice we made. But um, like you, there was nothing else I wanted to do but to attend FAMU. I only applied to one school. And I know my professors, my teachers in high school thought I was nuts because, you know, what if you don't get in? It was like, yeah, that's really not even a concern. I'm, I'm going to FAMU. So um, I think that there's a lot of pride that's instilled into you when you are a part of an HBCU family. And so I'm curious, Tam, since your mom attended an HBCU, did she have that same like HBCU pride? Did she ever regret that she didn't encourage you to go to one um, more than she did back then? Or, or what has that conversation been like? Um, really, we didn't have that conversation. I think for my mom attending an HBCU, she grew up in Florida and attended Hampton University for a couple of years and ended up not completing because she was homesick. So that was the real first time for her to be away from home. That distance, a long period of time, I think my parents were just, one, encouraging us to go to school. If I pushed the matter a little bit more, I probably could have gone to an HBCU if that's what I really wanted to do. Um I think I was just looking for to get out of the house um, and to, to put some distance between me and my parents. Um, and so I was just happy to be able to get out and be able to go away to school. I don't think I was terribly concerned about where that may have been. Now, again, growing up in Pennsylvania and, and where I grew up was not very diverse. Um, so the options were limited as far as schools that you'd want to go to or were considered prestigious within my friend group. Um, and it turned out only about two out of 10 of us in my little group ended up going away to college. Everyone else stayed home. Um, so again, I don't think that she may not have had the same experience that maybe your father had to kind of instill that into you guys. So as you're thinking about schools, the only place you wanted to go was FAMU. Um, I think they just were pushing me to go to college and didn't care where I went. So and what was it like attending a school that you, you said you went sight unseen? What was that like? It was interesting. Um, okay. <laughs> definitely. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Pittsburgh in general, but the University of Pittsburgh sits outside of downtown within Oakland, but in the middle of, in the middle of that little town city outside of downtown Pittsburgh. So you're literally walking, you know, the campus is amongst the city buildings and other businesses within the, um, within that part of Pittsburgh. So it was quite a shocker, probably. I didn't live in the freshman dorms. Um, there wasn't enough room. There were too many freshmen entering um, the year that I joined. So I was actually living in an upperclassman dorm, and that's why my dorm was co-ed. Um, and my floor happened to be co-ed. Um, it was a slight culture shock for me coming from 
um, a country school, a large school, but a country setting and kind of protect it. But I think that helped kind of the fact that I went sight unseen is sort of the way I've now lived my adult life, where I just kind of jump into things and figure it out. Um, I think the more so the culture shock for me was being around people that looked like me, because that's not how I went to school for middle school and high school. Um, And so that was more of a shock for me than maybe the campus and not knowing what the campus would look like. And Tony, what about you? What was your experience? Obviously, we both had an opportunity to tour FAMU on a regular basis. Um, What was your experience like as a Rattler? Well, my experience as a Rattler was awesome. Um, I think for me and the time that I went to FAMU, um, classes were smaller, not too much larger than most of your high school classes. Um, Being somewhere where the professors knew my name, they knew me by face, um, classes weren't that large. You got to know your, your classmates, again, just almost as an extension of the high school years. Um, it was a good experience for me. I think uh, a lot of, as, as with you, a lot of my teachers in high school guidance counselors thought, you know, your grades are so good. You could do so well at other places. Why would you want to go somewhere like an HBCU, which at the time I think, and I think it's still prevalent today that people think that HBCUs are a lesser environment, a lesser education you don't have as many of the, the the perks, the benefits, and you don't get everything you need to get. It's the the atmosphere is not diverse and all of those things I heard from counselors. But I needed, for me, I needed to be somewhere to help affirm who I was. Um, you know, I, I, I learned some things at FAMU about myself, others who look like me. Um, I, I, I learned how I, I learned how to, to figure out who to know and what to do and how to get what you needed to get. And, and, and so I guess the, the, the education that I got at FAMU was not only academic, but some of those things, yes, were true. No, our dorms and things may not have been as nice as say a Florida state or a university of Florida um, to predominantly white colleges. Um, and the, the, but the professors, the technology in terms of the academics were all great. Um, it's something that my daughter found uh, when she was trying to decide. She ultimately decided to go to FAMU also, but she wanted to stay in state, study pharmacy, and she was going to choose either University of Florida, which much to my chagrin, I did take her to, and we did a tour and I was trying to be positive on the tour. Um, but outside of a lot of the social things that University of Florida could offer, when it came down to the academics and the things that I would learn academically or that she would learn academically, she found that FAMU had those same resources, had those same things. The level of education was the same. You know, yes, we, we all can, well, everybody almost who went to an HBCU, especially family, you can tell you the stories about financial aid problems and trying to get your schedule in. But even, even having to go through those experiences kind of taught me how to maneuver and do things. Um, and I think the, the professors that I have found at the Historically Black College, and maybe Tamara can speak to what she found in her professors, but I found that in my professors, one, the majority of them looked like me. 
which was something that I wanted and needed because throughout high school, elementary, throughout my, my earlier years, that wasn't something that I had a lot of. Right. It's it, it's interesting that you mentioned that talking about people who look like you. So obviously for the two of us, we were at a school where the majority of the people we saw every day were, be it professors, our uh, classmates looked like us. And that was an experience that I will always treasure. Just being able to see that many positive um, brothers and sisters in one place was was It was all inspiring to me. But it was interesting, Tam, that you said that for you, it was a bit of a culture shock to see as many people that looked like you. What was that like for you? I think because I was, I grew up or most of my academic career was um, in, like I said, in central Pennsylvania, Um, a little background. My high school had 2000 kids out of that 2000, 10 of us were black. So less than a percentage point. Um, so going anywhere would have obviously been better <laughs> as far as a diverse perspective than where I was coming from, um, from a high school perspective. So my freshman year, my roommate was an upperclassman and she was black. She was from Philadelphia. The girl across the hall from me, she was black. Um, my, her, my roommate's friends lived around the corner from the, you know, from our room. Um, they were black. So a majority of my floor was probably a majority of them were black. Um, I didn't, my, you know, my classes, my freshman based classes were definitely probably heavier, predominantly people of non-color than people of color. I was in a program that was designed specifically to provide additional support to diverse students. Um, I tested out of the program prior to going to campus, but I decided to stay in the program so that I would be able to form some bonds and relationships with students that looked more like me. Um, but I also didn't have professors that looked like me until I got into my major. My major was Africana Studies. So that's where, I, you know, and still didn't have that sense of community that Tony mentioned and that I've known and we've all had conversations with offline. And I think that's what I missed. I missed that sense of community. Um, that sense of family, the sense of really getting to know, and maybe even miss out on some opportunities to find out who I am and get to know who I am a little bit better, faster than maybe where I am today. Um, so there are things that I definitely missed out on on um, by going to our, our, a PWI, a predominantly white institution, that I, looking back on it, would have, you know, now hindsight being 2020, would have selected an HBCU and would have pushed for an HBCU experience. Um, I think that there is definitely more camaraderie that I see amongst um, HBCU alums. I don't really, I went to school, I got a degree, I spent a lot of money there. I don't feel a tie to my university, whereas I see my friends who have gone to HBCUs, they feel a tie and a, a tie and a commitment to continue to go back and return and to give back because of what it gave to them. And so that's something else I think I've missed out on, not think, I see and I know and I feel I've missed that on by going to a PWI. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people I have seen, I have worn family shirts in the airport and simply because I had it on, somebody is, hey, Ratla, how you doing? And and it's like, what year? And and they could be many years older, many years younger, but it's it's almost like we're 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 comrades, we're 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 related because we both went there. Um, even more so than you get with being in a Greek organization. Something about going to an HBCU, it's like 
you, you are forever in this sisterhood, brotherhood. And no matter where you go, I've had my family stuff on and, you know, gotten privileges in lines and gotten to move ahead and do some things just because there was another Rattler there. And so, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a different feel. <laughs> I would have to agree with that. I think that, um, uh, I've always kind of felt that there it's just a family. It's like being a part of a huge extended family when you attend an HBCU. And I've spoken to several uh, people who did not attend an HBCU, and they have echoed what you said, Tam, that they just don't have that same sense and feeling of camaraderie, uh, of family that you do when you attend an HBCU. And I'm curious, Tam, I know that you have done some work um, in recruiting and dealing with um, high school kids and kids who are looking into going to college. And what do you hear some kids saying about HBCU versus non-HBU? Has that been a conversation you've been privy to hear? It's not a conversation I've been privy to hear, but what I find very interesting now is companies are more aware of how important diversity is. They are going and flocking um, to HBCUs and really trying to court those students um, to look at opportunities within their organization. And, you know, I found and seen and, you know, or anecdotally can say that you know, that students are more so looking at who else from an HBCU is within your organization. What are my opportunities? But it's just interesting now how important HBCUs are becoming to corporate America um, and how they are really seeking out the students. And before it might have been, a, you know, well, it's, it's about the school you go to and the prestige of that school. And now I think it's really about they're seeing the bit, the, that the education very so much what Tony was saying, that the academics are on, on par with a predominantly white institution. And maybe even the students are even more prepared because of the one-on-one time and the care that they're receiving at an HBCU versus a predominantly white institution. Um, and so, you know, corporations, again, are really seeing the value of HBCUs. And for some HBCUs, it might be a little bit too late. But, you know, I would I would encourage a student to go where they feel most comfortable and where they're going to grow, um, because that's your, really your time. It's not just about the academics. It's really about you growing as a person and figuring out your thought process and how you work through things and how you connect with people and engaging with people from different parts of the country or the world or, you know, their thought processes and just learning and being a well-rounded person, not just being a great student and getting a degree from a well-known predominantly white institution. And Tony, what would you say are a couple of misconceptions that you've heard? We've talked about a little bit of those today, but what are a couple of maybe misconceptions that you've heard about HBCUs as people are talking about where their kids are going to go or uh, how they feel about an HBCU versus a predominantly white institution? What have you heard? Um, I think uh, the majority of what I heard is kind of what I mentioned before. A lot of people seem to focus on um, some of the social aspects, the the ancillary or the extra programs that are offered, not so much the academics. Um, a lot of the negativity I've heard is around um, HBCUs being party schools. That, that's, you know, that's all we do is party. Um, granted, we do it well, but that's not all. Um, and, uh, and again, the facilities and things, um, just talking about how subpar our facilities are in terms of dorms and 
gymnasiums and things. And um, that probably is, is uh, thought for uh, an, another day in terms of the amount of alumni support, because though a lot of us say that we are, are very tied to our university, unfortunately we don't give. And so some of those extra things we don't have, but again, that's, that's for another discussion. But um, talking about the, as I said, the being a party school, the academics being subpar, as well as the environment and atmosphere. Um, and a lot of people ask me, you know, how are you going to go to predominantly black university when the world isn't predominantly black? How are you going to learn to, um, to, to, to uh, work with people who aren't like you if you're not getting that opportunity in school, this is your chance to learn. And, um, and that's, a, that's a misconception uh, because there are a number of um, other minorities and non-minorities who attend historically black colleges and universities because kind of as a people, um, HBCUs are a little more forgiving <laughs> in terms of uh, allowing you to, to get into college because their goal was to make education accessible to everyone. And at the time, most of, at the time they were developed, it was mostly minority, it was mostly black students who weren't allowed the opportunity to advance their education. And so, um, yes, they're historically black colleges and universities, but they're, they're gaining a little more balance, but the history is rooted in why they are there. And that, that olive branch was not just given to black students. If there were white students, Asian, Spanish, who may not have had the grades or the, or couldn't get into your, your other PWI colleges, Florida A&M and other HBCUs would accept and, and take you. Um, and, and so I think that those are, are, are things that are, are really not untrue, uh, or, or I'm sorry, really are not true about the experience. Um, but you can't tell anybody, it's kind of a thing you've got to experience for yourself. And, and as Tam said earlier, I, I, I gained a real sense of myself, which helps me to deal with other people outside of me. Um, but I gained a real sense of myself at the university. And so I don't think I lacked anything. And I would have to agree. I've also heard that, you know, how, how are you going to be able to interact with other races when you went to a school that, um, cause even when I was there, it was still predominantly black. As you said, there is a little bit more balance today. Um, but I do think that one of the things that I learned at FAMU was just how important it was going to be for me to be 10 times better, 10 times more prepared, uh, 10 times more um, engaged, 10 times more just on the ball because I was um, African-American. And I think that that is something that they instilled in us. Uh, they encouraged internships where we interacted with people of all races so that we knew um, what that would, what that was going to look like. They taught us not, never to feel like we were less than. And so I think that it was just a great opportunity to really be around a lot of people who were really striving to be their best as I was and who would be experiencing in the world of work some of the same things that I would be experiencing. And so I did um, understand how that is really one of the larger misconceptions that um, I've always heard about in HBCU. Uh, and Tam, you talked about this a little bit, what you felt that you missed, but what things do you think you would have been able to discover about yourself maybe a little sooner if you had perhaps attended an HBCU? I think I just would have been able to discover more about who I am um, and what history. So Black, let's just even say Black history. Like I didn't even, you know, sadly to say, 
um, and disclose this to all of you, but I didn't know of the Negro National Anthem until I went to college and happened to be part of the Black Action Society. Um, you know, other just information or history I didn't have access to, hence why I ended up majoring in Africana Studies. It's what I had most of my credits in because I was just soaking up the literature and the culture and the history of Africans and African Americans and, you know, that I wasn't exposed to at my high school or, you know, through some of the things that my parents didn't provide or, you know, or just maybe they assumed I'm being taught that in school. So, you know, just basic things about where I came from, from as a culture and as a people. Um, and I think also being able to find my voice. I think one of the things that Tony had mentioned, or you had mentioned actually, Karen, just now, about, you know, like they provide, they, it was encouraged or, you know, it was part of your curriculum for internships. And it was part of, you know, a continual reminder of how you need to be 10 times better and, you know, enforcing you just to make sure that you're on top of your game. Going to PWI, we're, it, that's not part of the curriculum. That's not built in. That's, you know, maybe if I had relationships with some of my professors, maybe, and they took a vested interest, that may be part, but it sounded like that's a normal part of the day-to-day interaction with anyone um, at camp on campus for you all at FAMU. And it was, you know, instilled. That wasn't instilled when at, you know, at the University of Pittsburgh. And I don't think for diverse students or even maybe not even for the, you know, the, the white students, but maybe it was already, you know, assumed that they knew what they needed to do. And so the extra care wasn't given to the black students at a PWI, except through that program I told you as a freshman, I kind of entered in on campus. And it's kind of funny, um, my husband at the time also was in a engineering program that again was geared towards diverse students to really provide them a foundation where they would go to, they went to school the sum- summer before their freshman year to, so that they could take some classes and also get acclimated to the campus. And again, to form that foundation. So it's interesting that the PWIs feel that they need to do that extra because they're obviously recognizing that something is missing in their regular semesters for their diverse students. Yeah, well, I I told you my daughter considered UF and, and my husband and I took her and he and I both commented as to the the uh people that they had to be our leaders and, and, and to take us around and our tour guides on campus. Literally, it was as if they found every black student they could find (laughs) to, (laughs) to, to show their face and to be a part of this tour and orientation. My husband and I were commenting on how we thought that was very interesting. Um, But also to what you said, Tam, it is, it's, you know, I, I want to harp on the fact that it is a very family oriented, believe in yourself. This is what you got to do. We care about your atmosphere. I will, um, you mentioned your husband, my husband and I both majored in business. He had been in school for maybe about a month and a half, had not called home. His mother called the dean of the, the college of business the dean of the College of Business called him out of class and had him come to her office every day to call mom. So it, it or every week to call mom. So it wasn't just our academics. It was the whole and the whole experience that they were trying to make sure that we appreciated just not who we were, just not the education we were getting. But also don't forget your family. Don't forget where you came from and don't forget the people who 
who sacrificed for you to be here. And so it was it was all of that that made the experience. To this day, my husband and I still go back and we tailgate for our kids and their friends. And, you know, we had people who fed us when we were in school. Um, my dad could pick up the phone and say, this is elder so-and-so, and he's going to pick you up and take you to church. And they would not just take us to church on Sundays. And I'm sure, Karen, you could say the same thing. They took you to their house for dinner afterwards. Yes, indeed. Plates of stuff. <laughs> and if they didn't, if they didn't have time to cook you dinner, they took you out to dinner. It was just because your father went there and they knew him. Or, you know, I have been able to call Tallahassee and say, you know, my son is there, my daughter is there, and they need X. And it could be someone who I just, we just kind of knew each other in passing in school. But if I said that my child needed something, they would get up out of their beds and go and help. And it was just that kind of environment. And and I, I just, I appreciated that. And it has left a, a, a real mark on me and my life and, and how I have tried to to live and and give back to the universities. We go and we tailgate for the kids. We give them all the food we have. We try to put a word of wisdom here and there. You know, we'll take them out to breakfast before we go and talk to them. Um, and I want to make sure that they're getting the same kind of experience and love and that they leave the university with the same thing I left with. Well, ladies, thank you so much for this conversation. It has been great to just listen to the different perspectives. I think we can all agree that at the end of the day, we just want our young people to get an education, um, but just wanted to have this conversation to show the differences um, and what uh, different experiences were like. And I thank you for both being a part of this today. If you would like to uh, give us some topics that you want to hear us talk about, you can hit me up at kdt at inmyshoestoday.com. Again, that's kdt at inmyshoestoday.com. You can also email any member of my tribe with that email address if you have a question for them. That's all the time we have for today. And until we meet again, be blessed.